0: بسم الله, صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم. كثيرا. فما بادو, today inshallah I want to talk to you about two hadiths. The first one we know the hadith of which is in Ibn Hibban and Abu Hurairah رضي الله is the narrator of that hadith where Rasulullah wa asked. And this was a way of teaching of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He used to ask a question and this is a good way to teach because if you ask a question then people get alerted. So they are listening. So instead of simply saying something, he would ask a question and then he would answer the question. So he asked them, who is a destitute person? Who is a poor? And poor means not just normally poor. Somebody who has, you know, very, very poor. Among you, who do you consider to be a person who is very poor, destitute? They said, Ya yeah, Rasulullah, for uh, among us, somebody who has no dirham, dinar, there's no money, they have no property, no wealth. So we consider that person to be poor. Rasulullah said, the poor, the destitute of my ummah will be those and may Allah protect us from being those. He said, my destitute of my ummah will be those who will come before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment with (coughs) salat and sawm and sadaqat and all kinds of good deeds. You name it, they've done it. So they will come with this mountain of good deeds. But there will be a line of people there waiting for them. And those people are the people who they backbited, who they slandered, who they calumniated, who they... Uh, cast aspersions on who they beat, who they insulted, who they killed, whose property they swallowed, who whose honor they played games with, all kinds of things that these people did. All of those people will be waiting. And they will say, Ya Rab, give us justice. And Rasulullah said that on the day of judgment, the currency is not the US dollar, the currency, he didn't say US dollar. I'm saying the currency is not money. But the currency is deeds. So from these good deeds of this person who comes there with mountains of good deeds, those deeds will be taken in proportion to what they did to each person and it will be distributed and it will be given until all the good deeds of this person are exhausted. But the line of people is still there. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of course who knows everything, Allah will say, now what do you want me to do? Deeds are gone. They will say, Ya Rabbal Alameen, he has no deeds. Now give our evil deeds to him and free us. And Rasulullah said, and this will be done. And this person who came with a mountain of good deeds will be thrown into the hellfire carrying the evil deeds of somebody else. Now when I remembered, I read this hadith many, many years ago. Alhamdulillah, we believe the words of Rasulullah there is no doubt about this. But the thought in my mind was, how can anyone do so much evil that a mountain of good deeds is exha- exhausted, still that evil remains and this person is then thrown into the hellfire because of that evil? I mean, how, you know, there is a limit. How, how How is it so much evil? Until I discovered social media. Social media answered that question for me. Think about this, my brothers and sisters, I am not joking. You write something about somebody on social media. And I am talking about critical stuff, right? You don't like me, for example. So you criticize me, you condemn me, or whatever you want to do. And you do this on social media, you send it on some, you know, whatever. Snapchat or Allah knows what, Facebook. Uh, WhatsApp I may not even know But you do this And from there it goes from you, you It goes to you It goes to you It goes to you It goes to you And this circulates in the world In the financial world We have what we call Earning assets This is Earning liabilities Not assets And believe me long after you have gone into your grave that social media thing is the only eternal thing in the world and that is earning stuff for you and that will earn stuff for you as long as it circulates May Allah protect us today we live in a world where somebody says something and does something and there will be there are people who actually make videos criticizing that cursing that person and so on. the whole video is only that Sheikh Fulan bin Fulan said this, Ya Sheikh, you are a Murtad, you have left Islam. Inna lillahi wa inna lillahi. You know, if you don't like my haircut, right? I have hardly any hair in my head, but if you don't like it and you want me to change it, who should you tell about this? Tell me. Who? I know it's a dumb question, so answer it. Me, right? Why? Because this piece of real estate belongs to me. Right? Nobody's got a right on this. There's no shared. This is not a shared property. One Abdullah is laughing. Seriously, this is not a shared property. So you don't like my haircut, tell me about it. Now instead of telling me, you tell about my haircut, you tell it to Dr. Nadir. You tell it to Dr. Ahmad. You tell it to Dr. Salah. Where is he? He's somewhere. Then You tell it to my brother Omar. And the whole world. If you don't like something about somebody you tell them directly, there are two benefits. Number one, there is a chance that the other person can improve because he is the only one who can improve it. I mean, if there is something wrong with me, only I can do that. So, Alhamdulillah, you are doing some good. Secondly, that action of yours, giving nasiha to your brother, will be written in your account as a good deed for you, whether or not your brother takes the nasiha. Right? So, if you don't like something... Tell it right, directly to the person. Go phone him. Stand in front of his face. Whatever, tell the person. My brother, you did this. Please don't do this. This is the reason I didn't like it. This is the way it, This is the reason why it is wrong. So on so on. Say it directly to the person. Two benefits. More than likely, he or she will improve. They will change. But even if they don't change, even if they reject your nasya, no problem. The nasya is written for you as a good deed. Instead of that, instead of telling the person. You tell the whole world and his wife what is the result? Number one there is no result because the the person who is supposed to correct it doesn't even know and secondly now this is ghiwat. Now ghibat is a beautiful thing because it earns a lot of good deeds for that person when they have done nothing for it. Free. It's wonderful. So if somebody is doing ghibat about me I say alhamdulillah may Allah create more. I'm a lazy man. I I I don't do much stuff. So if people are talking about me, oh, beautiful. Somebody said to Imam Shafi so-and-so said this bad thing about you. So Imam Shafi sent him some fruits. He said, what is this? He said, no, because since you are giving me your good deeds, I thought let me reciprocate. You know, send me, send you some fruits. So this is Ghiba. Now the Ghiba, problem with the Ghiba is, first of all, it is a sin. So that is written in your account. Secondly, your good deeds now get transferred to this person's account. So this person is getting all your good deeds for free and you are getting sins and the thing that you really, probably you are right even about that but that never gets corrected. So please, the reason I am saying the the, the, the hadith does not refer to this alone, it refers to many things but this is the, unfortunately our whole social life is based on this. And to the extent one of of my young friends, I have got a lot of these. You know, school and college, boys and girls who come to me for various uh, halakhas and stuff. And one day I was talking about Ghiba and one of them said, subhanAllah, said, there, there goes my social life. <laughs> That's true. our social life, talking about people. Please, don't do this. You don't like something, go talk to that person. You don't want to talk to that person, stand in the night in, in tahajjud and cry before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ya Allah, please, cure my friend. If you can't take... If you, don't have, if you cannot take the trouble to do that, then believe me, you are not even interested. Why you, why you want to talk about it? Let him, let him do what he wants. But don't give away your good deeds for nothing. It's not worth it. Right? It is definitely not worth it. Even that, giving it to somebody you don't even like, because you are criticizing the person. Imam Bukhaya Ramatullah said, if I want to make ghiba, I will make ghiba about my mother. They said, what, what is that? He said, because at least let my good deeds go to my mother. Why would you want to give it to somebody you don't even like? Second hadith of Nabi sallallahu alaihi specific to Ramadan al-Kareem. We all know this hadith, we have heard it many times but alhamdulillah in the dhikratan for Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi ascended the member. On the first step he said ameen, on the second step he said ameen, on the third step he said ameen. After he finished uh, the whatever he was, advice he was giving on the the, the, the uh, on the member, when he came down the Sahaba said, Ya Rasulullah. Sallallahu Alaihi we saw you doing something today you have not done before. You said, I mean three times, what was it? He said, when I stood on the first step of the member, Jibreel A.S. came to me and Jibreel said, Ya Rasulallah, Sallallahu Alaihi the person who gets Ramadan and is unable to get the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be in the hellfire and Allah will cast him far away, say Ameen. And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Ameen. He said on the second step, Jibreel came to me again and he said, Ya Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the person who finds his parents in old age, one or both of them, and does not serve them and does not take their dua, will be thrown in the hellfire and Allah will cast him far away and say ameen. And Rasulullah sallallahu sallam, said ameen. And on the third step he said, Ya Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when your name is mentioned before a person and he does not send salat and salam on you, he will be thrown in the hellfire and Allah will cast him far away. Say, "Amin." And he said, Ameen, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Imagine this dua. Two of the greatest prophets and messengers and rasools of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are saying, Ameen. Jibreel and Muhammad Mustafa, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And obviously, Jibraeel is coming and saying this, so this is Wahy from Allah subhanahu wa taala. Now the point I want to make for you is, finding Ramadan and not getting forgiveness means we do not seek forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa taala because Allah subhanahu wa taala gave us Ramadan to forgive us. The dua that Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam taught our mother Sayyida Aisha Siddiqah aladillah wa anha was what? Allahumma oh innaka afuwan tuhibbul afu faafani. O Allah, you are the Forgiver. You love to forgive, so forgive me. So, let us seek the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu yeah. Make lots and lots and lots of istighfar and We are towards the end now, maybe two, three days left. Let us not lose that. Second thing is, as far as parents are concerned. Please, I see so many cases. The father doesn't talk to the son, son doesn't talk to the father, all kinds of things. Get all this stuff out of your heart. It's not worth it, my brothers and sisters. Not worth it. Your parents are your parents. One of the uh, one of the problems of young people coming to Islam, Alhamdulillah, it's a beautiful thing. I love to see it. And May Allah protect you and May Allah make you strong. Alhamdulillah, you people are May Allah make count you among His awliya, Inshallah. In the, in your youth, you are close to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. But one of the downsides of this I have seen is children becoming critical of parents. My father doesn't have a beard. My mother does not wear, wear, do a hijab. My father does not pray on time. My father's business is, my father is selling stuff, gas stations, haram business. But you don't, you don't hesitate when that haram business is getting you a car. You don't hesitate when the haram business is paying for your phone. You don't hesitate eating and drinking from the same haram business, but you want to curse your father. I'm not saying what he's doing is right. I'm just saying don't sit on a high horse. Your point is right. Business is haram. What must you do? Take the minima or take nothing and cry in the night and weep before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and say, Ya Allah, save my father. Try to help your father get out of that business. Not sit in judgment on your own father. Not criticize your father. Not be disrespectful, disrespectful to your father. Abu Sufyan, عنه, before he became, عنه, before he accepted Islam, was the worst and the biggest enemy of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He tried everything on, on, uh, in his power to kill Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He led three wars. Badr, Uhud, and, and uh, uh, Ahzab, all three were, the, 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 Abu Sufyan was the, was the cause for this. He came to meet Rasulullah after Rasulullah They broke the truce so he came in madina to try to patch it up and he came to his daughter's house our mother umm habiba his daughter the wife of rasulullah sallallahu so when he entered the house and nabiy wa bed was there umm habiba folded the bed up so abu sufyan jokingly he said to her oh you folded the bed up because it is not fit for me is it she said, I folded the bed up because you are not fit for the bed. That is the bed of the Rasul. Right? Now think about this. That whole incident, I'm not going into the details of that. Whatever happened, happened. After that, she, Radiala Anha, said to me, R.a.s. Ya Rasulallah, my father came and this is what I did. Now put yourself in this position. Here is your wife, her her father is your worst enemy. And your wife stood up for you and she said this to her father, what would you say? What would you say? Anybody, anybody, what would you say? Fantastic, you know, this, that's the kind of wife I want. Very good. You stood up for me even against your own father. You know what nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said? Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, you did wrong. He said, you should not disrespect your father. What you did was wrong. This is the Nabi A.S. Who is he saying that to? To a man who is who's not just a disbeliever. He is his worst enemy. He says that has nothing to do with your relation with your parents. With your father. He's is a good man or a bad man. Good woman, bad woman is not your problem. That's your father, that's your mother. Treat them with respect. Be good to them, be kind to them, be respectful to them. If Allah gave you the deen, alhamdulillah, don't make that, don't lose that deen by using that deen to feel superior or to criticize your own parents. That is tragic. And the third thing, sending salat and salam on Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Again, I'm not going into the fiqh of whether you should say it every time his name is mentioned or saying once is enough and so on. One of the problems of knowledge is, is that knowledge then becomes a problem for the person who has the knowledge. Don't use the fiqh to deprive yourself of the value of knowledge. Because you will find the, you will find the, 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 the opinion to say that in the majlis saying Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam one time is enough. But on the other hand, Rasulullah ﷺ said, "Anyone who sends salat and salam on me one time, Allah will send salam on that person ten times." So saying salat and salam once may be enough, but if you have an objection to saying it a million times and getting ten million salam from Allah, then ask yourself: This knowledge of that fatwa is this good for you or bad for you? Do not allow fiqh to come in the way of earning hasanat and benefits. I was traveling to South Africa. South Africa is like my second home from India. the flight leaves, Emirates leaves uh, Hyderabad at 10 PM. So 10 PM, I finished my isha, everything. I reached uh, Dubai in the lounge. I went straight to the the sleeping place and I decided, I, I had some three, four hours. I said, I am going to sleep, snooze nicely and then I catch the flight to South Africa. So, thought came to me, what about the Hajjul? So, instantly, this is the problem of knowledge. Instantly, the Mufti tells me, what the Hajjul? Even for this Khasar, anyway you finish your Isha. Now, only tomorrow is, is Saratul Fajr. sleep. So, what is that? Now, now, this this fatwa from the mufti is correct, right? Even for this khatar, so where is tahjun is, is the film? Why should you pray? Alhamdulillah. I replied to the mufti. I said, tahajjud for the traveller to make dua in sujood. Says <laughs> Alhamdulillah, <laughs> eh? so, let me go. And there's a nice masala there, go and pray. Please understand this. Send as much salat and salam on Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi as you possibly can. There is no limit to this. This is the most beautiful of the Askar. Because this is the only zikr in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promised this one is to ten. Allah will send salam ten times. Imagine what can happen to you. You are sitting there and this waterfall of the rahmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on you. I mean, you know, who can touch you, right? I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala jalla jalaluhu to... Bless all of you and to accept all of you in his service to fill your hearts with his nur, to fill your lives with barakah from him, Jalla jalaluhu. I ask Allah to protect you from every evil, every harm that you know and you don't know. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to open your hearts to his deen. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to fill your hearts with love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and love for Muhammadu Rasulullah sallallahu Alaihi wa and make all your and my lives Beacons of guidance for ourselves and for all those who come into contact with us.